0: Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless-like syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. Theraworks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, Theraworks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, Theraworks Theraworks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. Theraworks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about Theraworks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the Healthcare Professional link. Here's the thing,
0: you're busy, you're a professional, maybe you're a pharmacist, and you know you're capable of doing more, doing much more, and living a more organized, less stressful, purposeful, and freedom-driven life. Let's talk, let's share, and let's grow together as an industry, as healthcare providers, and as a better unified community. It may seem like some of these things don't easily fit together. After all, what do career coaching, marketing strategy, networking, and pharmacy have in common? Welcome to the RX Buzz. Your host is a pharmacist, a wife, a mother, an entrepreneur, and a proven motivational career coach, Ashley Cleven's Hayes. This is the RX Buzz podcast, a collaboration between RX Ashley and the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
2: Good morning, RX Buzz listeners. Here we are. This is Ashley from RX Ashley, and today I have an awesome guest with me today. She Her and I met over, of course, like similar, many of my other guests um, on a social media platform, and I've been following her. Sorry not to be totally creepy. I've been following you for a while now, I think a couple years, and um, I have Coach Kristen Chef Shunas with me. Say that last name 10 times fast. Um, And Kristen, it's just super fun to have you with me. I want to take a moment to just thank you. I know you're super busy and really, really, really big deal these days, so I appreciate you being with me.
3: Oh, thank you. I'm just so happy to be here.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really cool to meet interesting people outside of our arena who are doing inspiring, motivational, just awesome, overall positive things for our, um, you know, not just my profession, but in just globally for athletes and for non-athletes. So with that said, why don't you take a couple minutes to introduce kind of what you do and who you are?
3: Okay, well... Um, let's see. I come from the swimming world. I come from the sports world, I should say. Um, I was a swimmer, swam in college. And then when I got out of college, I started my coaching career. Um, do you want me to go through my, the universities I worked at? And stuff? Yeah. I mean, how about it? we got to give you some street cred. So, okay. So I spent two years as a, as a club coach in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from actually. Um, and then I went to Michigan state and spent two years as an assistant coach. Then I went to SMU in Dallas. I was there for four years as an assistant coach. And then in 2006, I became the head coach at the university of Miami in Florida. Um, I was there for seven years. Um, what I realized those first few years, you know, my time at Miami, I always say the only word that can describe my time there is tumultuous, (laughs) Um, I failed miserably my first four years, um, started to figure things out, started putting mentors and coaches around me to figure out you know, who I am as a leader, really started doing um, great things my last three years. But the problem is you know, we all know in failure, even though it's awful and it hurts and it's disappointing and embarrassing, it's also some of the biggest growth in your life. Sure. And so what I realized is it wasn't necessarily the swimming that I was so passionate about. It was really the confidence piece, helping people pass their doubts and their fears. And so in 2013, I took a huge risk and stepped down. I resigned, um, to start my own business, coach Kristen, um, about a year into it as it's not taking off the way I want to. (laughs) Right before my mental breakdown, I got a call from uh, a man who um, became the head Olympic coach in Rio um, for the women's swim team. Um, He was coaching a group of uh, national team and Olympians. There were 17 of them. And so I went and helped him out for about a year, getting them ready for the Rio Olympic Games, then came back to my business. And I work one-on-one with Female athletes, and then I also speak to athletes, coaches, and businesses.
2: So, oh my gosh, so many questions! First of all,
1: <laughs>
2: cool. It's not every day that I get to talk to interesting, you know, non-professionals. So, I think what you're doing is fascinating. Um, going back to kind of you open open the the floodgates here of what do you consider failure? Because you talked about your Florida experience and how the first couple of years. You didn't think it went well, or you said it yourself that you failed. So I'm just curious, how did that look for you? Cause I, and the reason why I ask is because last week I had a question from a student in front of like 300 people asking me if I've ever failed. And I was like, sure. Do you want to pull up a chair? I mean, (laughs) so what does that mean to you?
3: Well, as I always, you know, tell everybody, I think failure, I mean, everybody has a different definition of it. it, you know? I could see an athlete do something and I'm like, wow, that was really good. And they're like, no, because I had expectations for myself and I failed. So I think it's different for everybody. But my time in Miami, um, you know, what what I did was, let me say this. When I was at SMU, we were one of the top programs in the country. And it worked so well because the head coach just kind of thought, he was the sports man. He thought swimming 24 seven, where I took care of the women. I took care of their confidence. I took care of life outside of sport because we all know it affects sport business as well. Right. Sure. Um, and so I just, I always say that time, um, the reason we had so much success is because he took care of the swimming and I took care of the women. So when I became a head coach, Now, I felt like I needed to change who I was. I needed to take care of the swimming and I needed to hire somebody to take care of the women. And I'm embarrassed to say it took me four years to realize (laughs) it was not working. And, um, you know, part of success for me is not just them swimming fast, but helping them become amazing women, you know, helping them become amazing people after college. And I wasn't doing that because I was so focused on the swimming part and depending on other people who didn't have the gifts that I had to take care of the women. So, um, like I said, when, when I started, um, uh, let me say this after four years of failing, I stopped blaming everybody else, right? Cause that's what we do as humans. We, we blame everybody else and everything else. I started to look at myself And when I started doing that, you know, of course, I only started doing that because I surrounded myself by mentors and coaches that made me do that. Um, It wasn't pretty. And I realized that I was using none of my gifts because I was trying to be what I thought a head coach should be instead of just being me. And that's why we had the success my last three years that we did is because Mm -hmm. I started, you know, even though it didn't look like other head coaches out there, I started using my gifts and brought in assistants who were really good and passionate about the swimming part.
2: This is so fascinating because there's so many correlations between the professional business world, non-athleticism that correlate. I'm thinking immediately right now with some of the people I work one-on-one with. Um, So when you go to different schools or different camps and you talk to the athletes now, what, what do you guys, what do you talk about?
3: Well, my main focus is confidence, but, I can't talk about confidence until I talk about doubts and fears. Okay, um, wow. How you know, to move past you know, those doubts and fears. So you're saying
2: athletes have doubts and fears?
3: Even the ones with uh, Olympic gold medals Don't around tell their me necks, my gold belts, <laughs> belts and pierce my heart, you know, <laughs> you know, Michael's a little different. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just but kidding. yes, absolutely. I mean, and we've seen, you know, in the last two years, he's really come out, you know, about his mental health right. and his struggles and things like that. So, absolutely. So, when you're talking to them, I mean, it's just
2: so fascinating to me because we glorify all of these these big athletes and not just swimming. I mean, all these athletes. And then we glorify, you know, the, the big name CEOs and the movie stars and physicians and, you know, these, these people who have quote, quote, the titles of holy moly, but these people struggle too. You're seeing it in a different capacity than when I'm seeing it. But so what is it, what is life like for an athlete who's struggling before they talk about confidence versus after?
3: Well, you know, it's really what I've what I've come to the conclusion of is, you know, confidence, confidence can come when you really have nothing left to hide. So when you start getting honest about those fears and doubts. because what we do so often is we sit there and have doubts and fears. And let me say this. What I've learned about fear is everyone experiences it, but everyone also thinks they're the only one experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So it's never talked about because we think, oh my God, I'm the only one. Something's wrong with me. I'm a weakling, uh, you know, and so we're embarrassed and we never talk about it. But what I'm realizing it is everybody is struggling, but... You know, I even think back to my college career, and I remember, you know, as a swimmer standing behind the blocks, and there's eight swimmers there, and I remember thinking, the seven other women standing, you know, getting ready to race are fearless. What's wrong with me that I'm not? And, and now I'm realizing, you know, that um, everybody, everybody struggles. It's just those that finally admit it and find a way to move forward from it um, that can be confident you know um getting ready but you know we've talked a million times about in those moments before competition when those fears and doubts come all it is is pressure to perform Mm -hmm. and I believe that if there is pressure to perform you are going to have doubts and you are going to have fears um across the board like I said I work with you know I work with a lot more women than I do men but Mm -hmm like I said, I've never um, met anybody that is fearless. And like I said, and I've worked with the ones with Olympic gold medals, you know, hanging around their necks. So it's really about, okay, let's get honest about those doubts and fears. And then let's figure out how to move forward from them. Because I'm a believer that if there is pressure, they're coming. So sure. instead of instead of pretending they're not there, <laughs> let's face them and find a way to move forward.
2: I mean, majority of your majority of the people that you work with, I'm assuming, are fairly young. I mean, really young athletes, um, right?
3: No, I don't work with anybody under um, thirteen or fourteen. I don't know what's really young. Well, people. I'm
2: sorry. Okay, so I work with you know. I, I guess my question is is Can you identify, can someone identify that they're fearful at the age of 18, 20?
3: Oh, absolutely. And then they work
2: through that issue. And then what's what's the rate of success afterwards? I mean, I wish I had someone like you when I was 18.
3: Well, tell me about it. I wish I did too, because I have no doubt that I never reached my full potential and it was, you know, because of fear. But, you know, this is the way I explain it. The reason I don't work with like really young people is because they haven't experienced enough failure to really understand fear. Because I always say, you know, in the swimming world, I always say, you know, when you're eight years old and every time you step up on the blocks to swim, you go a best time, right? Right. And then one day you don't go a best time, you know, and there's nothing to be afraid of. But then that moment that you don't go a best time, the next time you step up on the blocks, there's a new question that has entered the equation and it is what if that happens again? Wow. So when you are that young, you just haven't experienced enough failure to have that fear of. For the most part. Yeah. What if I do it again? I
2: mean, that's really young. I'm saying even the Olympians who are so young, I mean, 18, they're in college. Oh yeah. So how does that look? I mean, they're physically, obviously, Brilliant, physically in shape. And then when it comes down to the mindset, do they turn to you for support or what does that look like for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, what I used to do when I started speaking and stuff is I would have athletes write down what they were thinking right before competition. Um, And to be honest with you, like, I was the first time that I did that my first, my first response was I want to ball my eyes out because I couldn't (laughs) believe the terror. I couldn't believe the terror that was written, you know, that was written down. And then I wanted to blame the coaches, (laughs) you know, like what are these coaches doing that are making these people so afraid? But then as I started doing it, you know, everywhere that I went and they started writing it down, 99.9% of the time, and by the way, I'd have them write it down anonymously because I knew Mm -hmm. if they put their name on it, they wouldn't be as honest. But 99.9% of the time, it's the exact same stuff. It's terror. If there is pressure to perform, there's terror. Because Mm -hmm. what if I don't? What if I fail? What if I mess up? What if I embarrass myself? I mean, there's just so many of those what ifs that pop into our mind in those moments. This
2: is fascinating to me because one of the services that I offer in in our business is interview preparation. And (laughs) it has been so humbling for me. I have high, high energy, highly educated, highly intelligent, highly motivated people who, who get interviews who come to me for support and it's, fascinating to see them experience this preparation because within the first five, 15 minutes, they're nervous. They don't know how to articulate. They don't know how to talk about their experiences. They don't know how to talk about themselves. And then by the end of the second hour, the end of the third hour, I mean, they're totally, totally transparent, totally different person. They are the person that they look like on paper. So I'm just seeing this huge correlation right now with, What we see on TV or what we hear about in the news from athletes performing on stage or in the water or whatever it is on the field versus to a business professional or to a professional, someone like on on my end, who they need to perform in interviews. It's fascinating to me, this correlation. We should write a book.
3: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Let's do it. So interesting to me that it's the same exact thing, but yet professionals tend to be really more reliant. And what I'm gathering, and maybe this is inaccurate, but and and let me know what your thoughts are on this. Professionals tend to be a little bit more reserved and hesitant to ask for help in the sense of confidence building. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. It, but again, I, you know, I think so many people are afraid to admit that they're struggling. Yeah. But the problem is, is that everybody is. You know, I mean, the, I, I. I've, I mean, everybody is, it's such a journey and, you know, to, to reach your goals, to move up the ladder, whatever that looks like for you, you know, to find success. I mean, you, you cannot do it alone. You've got to surround yourself, you know, by people that are going to push you and cheer you on. But at the same time, be brutally honest with you yep. <laughs> about things you know that you need to hear that you don't really want to hear but you mm-hmm. need to hear
2: yeah I've experienced a lot of that oh, which yeah. is good though
3: oh God, um, it's changed my life
2: me too me too in fact my coach my personal my business coach came down pretty hard on me this week <laughs> she was like you need to fix all of this We're, we launched a course and first time around just in full transparency to my audience it was not good <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. like
2: You gotta fix all this. I was like, okay. And the outcome of it, I think has been very successful. And I love that. I love being pushed.
3: Oh yeah. Um, I, I okay. think, I think people are just afraid, you know, to really look at themselves honestly, you know, and it's like, it's, but once you do the freedom, you know, of being able to be just an open book. Look, this is who I am. This is my mess in the past. This is my mess today and being honest and open about it. But honestly, like that is my definition of confidence, like having nothing to hide and just being truly 100%. Hey, this is me. It it ain't pretty sometimes, but this is, this is who I am and I'm proud of it.
2: You know? How do you coach them to break through, you know, the fears of being judged of who they are?
3: you know, there are some, it's such a range. I mean, because there are some people that they come in and it's just like, there's nothing that even needs to be said. They're just ready for change. And so they will just vomit the truth, you know, and there are other people where it just takes, it takes a long time. And I will say, I think one of my gifts is just really relating Mm -hmm. and making people feel like, oh, wait a second, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also, you know, I am an open book. So you are going to hear my junk. You are going to hear my failures. And that really gives people the freedom, I think, Mm -hmm. to really get honest about theirs. Um, But if they're not willing I feel like I create, you know, a good enough relationship with somebody or a relatable enough relationship with somebody that I can say things that if you don't have a relationship with that person, they're not going to listen. But if you create a relationship with that person and you say something that they don't really want to hear, they'll listen. Mm
2: -hmm. Wow.
3: So where did you get that? Where do you
2: think this all came from? Do you think this is your innate? gift from God, or do you think that you learned this?
3: I think that I do, you know, it is one of my gifts, but at the same time, you know, uh, just, I coached for 16 years and I would watch these athletes, um, with so much potential, you uh-huh. know, and so much talent. And they never reached it, you Mm -hmm. know, because of their doubts and their fears or because of life outside of sport that was totally jacking up sport, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just 16 years of being able to, because when I create a relationship with somebody, I don't do surface level, you know, I I go deep. And so I've, I've been in the souls of these athletes. I've seen the dark stuff that they won't show anybody else that they're embarrassed about. So I feel like that has been such a gift in what I do now is because they've allowed me into the dark places and I've seen it. And I'm so thankful that they've allowed me because I don't feel alone (laughs) when I go into my own dark places.
2: Sure, sure. When you go and give presentations or speeches at is it universities or, you know, conferences that you put on, what are your themes?
3: My themes?
2: Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you love to talk about with them? What, what lights their heart on fire mostly?
3: Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, when I speak the first, like I said, I cannot talk about confidence without talking about fears. And so that's always the first thing that I talk about and just, you know, I share a story and just them knowing that they're not the only ones with those thoughts. I mean, there are tears out yeah. there because it's such a relief to mm-hmm. know, oh my gosh, the the hero that I see on TV with a gold medal mm-hmm. around her neck She has the same fears as me. I'm not a weakling. There isn't anything wrong with me. Like, it is such a relief to know. That's what I always say when Missy Franklin, who's a five-time Olympic gold medalist, the first time she heard me speak, because I really talk about owning, you know, your fears and doubts. So one of the things I say is, I'm afraid and that's okay. I'm nervous and that's okay. And she said, I want to stand on a mountaintop (laughs) and scream it out. I'm afraid and it's okay. It doesn't make me a weakling. It doesn't make me a misfit. It doesn't mean something's wrong with me. Right. I'm afraid and it's actually okay. Right. Um, and then after that, we go into, okay, once you admit what those fears are, the, the what ifs that I call them, how do we move forward from them? And there's some steps that I go through um, with them to help them move forward from them. And then the next part of the piece is, okay, how do we start... Building confidence because I think so many people, especially women, we believe that we can get confidence from somebody else. So, if my coach validates me, if he says good job, if my boyfriend does this, you know, we think we can gain confidence from other people, but absolutely not. We can be validated, we can be told, hey, good job, but we cannot build, we cannot gain confidence from anybody else. That is our responsibility and ours alone. Right. Wow. So
2: it's funny that you bring up this this sub the subject of, you know, being vulnerable and being open. Cause um one of the ways I connected with you is I bought one year bracelets. <laughs> yes. And it's it's the orange one with the gold bead on it and it represents I'm I'm bold. And over the past year or maybe a couple of years now that I launched um this business and and my coaching business, um I've worn it and a lot of people have told me, wow, Ashley, you're so courageous for doing something like this. And it's just funny to me that people say that. It's interesting to me because I I am no different than anyone else. I just, I'm doing it. So when, when um, I'm doing the thing. So when, when I'm sure when swimmers or when athletes come to you, what is the difference between the people who get it, who, who have the breakthrough, the people who don't? Well, I think the reason why I'm relating to that is because I think I just had the breakthrough and I'm just doing the thing. So what do you think for those athletes? uh, I
3: I mean, it's, it's risking failure. It's risking failure. I mean, that is, (laughs) uh, that is what it's, what it's all about. Finding the courage and risking failure. You know, Nick Saban, um, he had a, I saw a quote of his the other day and he's like, you know, greatness is not normal or, you know, doing above and beyond is not normal. Like, survival mode is normal. Like that average is normal. So, you know, doing the extras, risking failure, things like that, that is, that's not ordinary. That's extraordinary. But most people will not come out of their comfort zones because if I do, if I, you know, I may fail. Mm -hmm. And then what does that say? about me? What are other people going to think? That's a huge one. What are other gonna, people going to think if I risk and then I fail? Um, so absolutely all of it is just how do I move forward? When those fears and doubts come, how do I risk failure anyway? Sure. Wow. Absolutely.
2: Powerful stuff. How do you and, work through all this stuff?
3: Well, and then <laughs> let me say this because <laughs> failure Um, like I said, once you fail, then, you know, a new question enters the equation of what if it happens again? And that Mm -hmm. has kept people stuck as well because they're afraid to move forward. Um, but I think that so many people, because failure is so embarrassing and nobody wants to talk about it, they don't. And I feel like when we fail and we try to move forward from it without talking about it, without dealing with it, it becomes pretty much like an anchor inside of us. And we go to take a step forward into our potential and we can't move because we haven't dealt with it. So failure, the reason people don't want to risk failure is because failure is terrible. I mean, it's awful. It hurts. It's embarrassing, you know, but those that do risk learning how to handle that failure after it happens, because there is no way that you are getting to where you want to be. There is no way you're climbing the ladder. There is no way you're getting to whatever success is for you without hitting failures um, along the way. And if we don't learn how to handle those failures when they come, we will stay exactly where we are. Oh,
2: gosh, preach. Yeah. I mean, what a powerful sentiment you provided us. So, okay, when are you speaking next? Can I come? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what what is your travel schedule? I mean, do you now? So, what do you do? Are you traveling every week, every month to go give presentations? Um,
3: well, well
2: it, working it, with one on one clients.
3: It it. I mean, to be honest with you, because a lot of the places that I do speak are, um, you know, athletics. It yeah. really revolves around the athletic schedule. So right. I just went two months straight of you know nonstop but I only have one more, you know, until the end of the year. So it's really, it's really different, but you know, throwing, um, the businesses in there now too, that has been so exciting, um, for me because, you know, to just have that complete, I mean, it's exactly the same thing, you know, exactly the same thing. Um, so that's, um, that's been really exciting for me too. That's awesome. If
2: someone wants to get a hold of you, how I, I can put it in the show notes? But how can they get a hold of you, or maybe follow you on social media?
3: Yeah, well, um, my website is Coach Kristen, C H R I S T E N dot com. Uh, my Instagram, which I do most of my stuff on, is um, Coach underscore Kristen. And I love your um, Instagram. Oh, thank you. It's just you know some motivating stuff. That's good though. It's good stuff. Thank you. And then um, the bracelets that we were talking about, I call them confidence nuggets. So it's confidencenuggets.com. Um, there's a video on there that kind of explains the whole background on why I came up with them.
2: I really just love what you are practicing and I love what your, your philosophies. I think it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing. Thank and you. I think you are risking failure in being an entrepreneur. So I
3: yes. I understand that
2: <laughs> and I respect that. Um, if there's anything I can ever do in my little small business world, I would love to support you in every endeavor possible because I think more people need to hear what you're saying in order to reach their true optimal level of of success. And everyone again, everyone defines success differently, but I think getting through those breakthroughs and those barriers are something yeah. that will prevent someone from ultimately becoming whatever their definition of success really means. Yes. So absolutely. Kristen, you are awesome. I thank love you. speaking with you. I love speaking with people exactly like you. Um let's keep in touch and I'm sure the audience will really appreciate your sentiments this morning.
3: Well thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed talking with you and um I'm amazed at what you're doing too. So <laughs> and if you need anything in.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, our Expuzz listeners, thanks so much for chiming in. And I mean, if you guys love Kristen just as much as I do, make sure you guys give us a shout out on our reviews or message me and let me know what you think. Let me know if this resonated with you. Let me know your thoughts. I am going to be pulling more people just like Kristen on our show because to be totally transparent, not enough people are talking about this in our world. So... um, I appreciate you guys listening. And as always, I am grateful for the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I am grateful for Todd and Michael for facilitating this show and the audience. You guys are the best. Have a great day. Take care.
0: This was just the beginning. If this was your first time listening to the RX Buzz, we welcome you and thank you for giving us a chance. And if you're an old friend, one of our subscribers, we cherish you and look forward to hearing from you. And now we need your help. We ask that you share this podcast with just one person you know who's in the healthcare industry. If this podcast can help just one person, we believe it will have a chain reaction, having an impact on dozens, hundreds, thousands, and someday millions of people. Thank you for your help. We truly appreciate you. And thank you for listening to the Rx Buzz, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.